If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with MyBookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Broadcasting live from Florida's capital city, this is the Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness on Real Talk 93.3. Now, stop what you're doing and listen closely. It's time for the Jeff Cameron Show in 5, 4, Three, two, Jeff Cameron Show 93.3 Real Talk Radio War Chant TV. Good to be with you on a Balls Wednesday. Appreciate you joining us as well. Tom's here. Director Matthew's here. The gang's all here. And uh, I would say at Jay Cameron Show on Twitter. By the way, speaking of the gang's all here, not this segment, but rather next we will be joined by CEO Ingram Smith of the Battle's End. Look forward to talking to him as we continue to gauge this Florida State team, its talent, what's possible, moving forward both on the field this year and then really within that space, what's possible. It's changing all the time. I like to check in from time to time with him, get his thoughts on what the Battle's End's doing and what Florida State's doing and how it's worked out, but also what's happening around the country. Not a great card this weekend, Tom, but next weekend is a Park Your Ass Saturday. I don't know if you saw that. If mm. you looked at the slate next weekend, mm-hmm. it is a Park Your Ass Saturday, which, frankly, I rather enjoy. I know right now you and I enjoy when the team goes on the road because it's a chance to kind of exhale and watch some football and not have to worry about a million other things that we have to do when Florida State plays at home. It's not a complaint. It's part of our job, and it's fine. But it is nice to exhale and just sit back and go, you know what I got to do today? An hour with Tom at 11 to talk about the BC game and nothing. That's what I got to do. Nothing. Nothing. I'm going to sit around here and grill and eat, watch us win, watch other games, gamble. It's going to be a good day at the Cameron household. 
Yeah, now we don't know. We'll see what happens. Assuming that it goes off at noon, then yeah, you know, I think most of the responsibilities for everybody on staff is done by five or six at the absolute latest. If you've got extra stuff to write or compile, yep, I don't. Uh, next week for park your ass, it is the same thing. It's a noon kick, so that's part of the reason why we're kicking off at noon because the the slate is loaded, and it was a fixed early on in the preseason that Ohio State Notre Dame was going to kick off at seven thirty because it's on Notre Dame television. So NBC just sets their schedule. And uh, they wanted that Big Ten night game. It's a good matchup. It should be interesting. But I think that's why we were phased earlier. But that means, again, all the more on the Park Your Ass Saturday, we'll be joining the fray, hopefully at 4-0, and just watching the rest of the masses saying, I wonder how it's all going to shake out for them because we are on the inside track. I think it's funny right now that I'm already doing that. I'm watching a lot of other contenders. You know, I'm kind of trying to take in what is – I know Texas played great on the road against Alabama, and I watched that game, and I've gone back and watched segments of that game that I couldn't watch intently the first time, and yours was awesome in that game. And so, you know, I'm looking at what they are and the problems they would present so early in the season, though. And you got to constantly remind yourself of that. Even with us, you got to constantly remind yourself that teams, they change over the course of the year, some for the better, some for the worse, but they always change. I think Texas would have made this exact same quote-unquote statement last year at home if Ewers never got hurt. I mean, Worthy was getting open down the field last year. They just couldn't hit him. The problem but is Alabama would have been was equipped to do something about it offensively last year, better than they are this year. Their quarterback at Alabama right now is, is not ready. That's correct, but they required, even without Ewers, yeah, they, being in the game certain, for yeah, a superhuman, yeah, yeah, for them to come back and make a crazy rally. I, I, just, I think Texas was in position there to win by a touchdown or two scores last year. But that didn't mean that Texas was some kind of world beater the rest of the season. It just meant that Alabama was more flawed than where you're used to Alabama being. As it turns out, it definitely didn't mean Texas was equipped to go on and do much else. Um, it also is weird that Alabama played that way a year ago and was more flawed, but only lost two games. This team looks, this version of Alabama might lose more than two games. They got. They got some issues here. Maybe it's because the SEC in general is just a little down. It's okay to say that. That yeah, can be true. They can still be the best you know, conference in America, most talented, most NFL draft picks, and they can still be down relative to what they've been some, you know, most oh, times through, in the last two 10 years. Weeks, there's no question through two weeks. you got a 14-10 game, game against Cal. You have Mississippi State going to overtime. and You, you have a lot of moments where you're like, ooh, this isn't. Right. Well, part of my take on FSU-LSU before the season started, you have to dip back into the year before. You can't. There's nothing you could do. It's the yeah, first game of the yeah, season. Yeah, it's all you got. But part of the theory was, well, how can LSU lose four games in a campaign and be the SEC West champion? That has to mean that the SEC is a little bit more vulnerable, right? And, and it's not this untouchable thing that when you go to Atlanta to play for the SEC championship, you are on this, from the West division specifically, you're in a different stratosphere that nobody else can touch. Mm-mm. That's not the case. No, and by the way, this year, because of the way things have started, and you see the relative strength around the country right now, including the uh, soon-to-be defunct Pac-12, one thing to point out, it could very well be that the SEC is fighting and fighting like hell for one bid, Uh, and that would probably be Georgia, assuming they go on to have the kind of season their talent suggests they should. It's hard to project them losing. Then again, they were in a dogfight last year on the road with Missouri, uh, that's one of the reasons we watch the games is you just don't know. But the margin for error is decreasing greatly for LSU, for Alabama. For It could very well be. I mean, look, LSU right now doesn't have a bad loss. They have a decisive loss, 
But if Florida State goes undefeated, LSU fans, let's say they go on to win the West and don't lose another game and get to the SEC championship, they're going to argue, well, our lone loss is in the state of Florida against a top three team. You know, guys. Against a very partisan crowd. Yeah, well, <laughs> but but there will be they would be right to say it. They would be right to say that if that's the case. Now, I don't think that's going to be the case for them, but, you know, if that happens, that's well, what that's they'll what say. That's what Alabama is. I mean, well, where, where's their loss? Yeah, so Alabama's got problems. Alabama's loss is that they just happened thoroughly at home. You cannot lose another one. Well, they will, because if they played Georgia in the SEC championship game, they're going to lose that game. And then when they lose that game, that's two, and you're not going. You're not going to the playoff, period. Well, here's the chin check against Ole Miss this weekend, or next weekend for Alabama. Well, what if Texas is average and to above average like they've been? Right, this then, is why I then think Ole Miss are, is, yeah. is in the conversation. I right guess, now. but Ole Miss looked terrible against a backup quarterback in Tulane. Come on, it's hard to see it. I, I, it it's hard to see it. Maybe college football's fickle. Teams change. That is the point. We're going to change too. What I get most excited about is I think we're going to change for the better. And it's so weird to say. I think we're going to change for the better. I think we can be better. I think Jordan Travis will be better. The history lesson here is that Johnny Wilson will be better. For all of the consternation and angst that we all feel, and I don't apologize for noting his drop rate is excessive in his career, but I've also given him and heaped upon him a ton of praise for not having that become a thing, as you say. It hasn't become a thing. He's figured out, meaning it hasn't spiraled into something worse. It's just been what it is. He's a guy that doesn't catch as many balls as most elite receivers are accustomed to. He drops more than he should. And the good news is that the built-in advantages he has and the hard work he puts in allows for him to overcome that and still be a plus, plus, plus player for you and that you're better with him than without. So all of those things can be true at the same time, and that is true about Johnny Wilson. As long as that doesn't become something that you know gets him domed up and he ends up that rate increases and now you can't trust him and now you have to really think about developing somebody else who you may want to start in crucial moments against better teams because this guy can't be trusted to keep a drive alive on third and five when he's hitting the hands. And that conversation, all of those conversations are in play when you're two games in and you've seen this. And it makes you nervous. And it's why you get excited about the depth of that room, which is so much better than we could have ever anticipated a couple of years back. That went from a room that was embarrassing, especially by Florida State standards, embarrassing, to a room now where I'm not so sure they don't have, in the making, five or six star caliber receivers. Yes, and five or six NFL draft picks. That's the thing, you know, for all of the success we've had as a program and uh, the offensive success that we've had in the last 30 years, there isn't a laundry list of wide receivers that Florida State has sent to the NFL that are all pro, multi-times all pro, you know, Hall of Fame types. Given the success of what Florida State has had, that level of it, you would think that, you know, next to the Warwick Duns of the world, there'd be like three other running backs, five other receivers, a couple of tight ends, you know, two, two, three quarterbacks. It just hasn't been that way, and especially so in the wide receiver room. But that I think that's about to change. You know, the battle's end can help facilitate that. Keon Coleman's going to be a one and done here. Yeah. And it's going to be a very good one and done. This side of Walter Jones, I don't know that you can find very many more 
good one and done. Jermaine Johnson was a good one. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. We're we're cashing in but some one and done. Like Johnny's going to get drafted. You know, he's oh, a detail sound he player. And yeah. the question is, if he can write the ship the rest of the season, how high can he go? Well, I would, King Williams is going to get. I think going to get drafted. That kid has already bought into the details. He's a true freshman. So a couple of years. Oh, from you're now, just talking about down the line. Yeah, I'm yeah, just, yeah. Well, I'm just saying we have yeah. not been a pipeline for receivers to the NFL, even in our heyday. That's true. There was a few. Yeah, but it wasn't here a and there. factory factory. The way that you would envision it being given right. that it's Florida State and some of the high-flying offenses that we've had, yes. The way that, for example, Miami was for a period of time oh, in the late right. 90s, early yeah. 2000s, yeah. where it was just mm-hmm. one after the next. Like We were as successful, if not more successful, than that program over that period of time. And yet, if you're talking about pro products, yeah. they had more of that specific position. Well, you know what we were more like uh, recently? Georgia. These last two Georgia teams that have won have not done so because of an elite receiving core. Right. Right. They have not done so. I mean, but yes, you, but Alabama did. Was, George Pickens was the oasis for them. Right. But Alabama did. Yeah. Alabama was churning out elite, all-world yes. receivers every year. every year. And we never really did. It was fascinating that way. I think that's a fair discussion. It's just an interesting one. And you're right. I think we're on the precipice of shifting that. Because I do believe, as we look at this roster now— and you, you would love to project everybody's health and continued growth and a normal pattern— but Williamson getting healthy and getting right, that mm-hmm. body is an NFL body. He yes. looks like an NFL player. We've all lamented the fact that when we look at him, we go, oh, my goodness. And then for a snapshot last year, you got it. For five catches, you went, oh, my God, there it is. That's that's the thing. Eureka. And he got hurt. <laughs> you went, oh, man. And I hated it for him because, man, that's in there, and there's not much more tragic than somebody who has the capability yeah. to – to take their game to the highest level and excel, but whose body won't let them do it. That is, that's hard. I mean, we all hate that. That's happened to a lot of people in their careers because that's that's another hurdle to overcome in in terms of being a pro player. Plenty of athletic people in the world. They're not all playing in the league. Yeah, and it's because it's there's so many things have to go right, and one of them is your body has to hold up in a vicious sport, and his never has. Let's say it does. I agree with you. He's going to be a star, and he'll go to the league. He's a freak athletically. Yeah. Keon Coleman, you just mentioned. Johnny Wilson's going to go to the league. Hakeem will go to the league. I think Vendravius Jacobs is ticketed for the league. Destin Hill Destin has a shot. Has a shot, a real shot. He's explosive. He's going to be, by the end of the season, imagine what he is. He's getting so much playing time right now. Imagine what he is. Do Span as an NFL receiver if he's going to catch the ball like that and run routes like that, and he'll he go has, to the league. He did again today. Okay, so that, now maybe the light bulb goes off for that kid. Yeah, yeah, this is very exciting. They're in a, that's why I think it just keeps getting better. And I think yeah. the defense is good. So I'll tell you, two players today, this is a latter port of, uh, portion of practice, Right where I'm standing. Sometimes you get lucky. You know, you get to see a play better than any of your fellow media members, and sometimes you have to go run over to one of your teammates at War Chain and say, hey, what happened there? That looked cool. Well, there was a, a late portion of practice. Jaheem's in a one-on-one. I know he's not a wide receiver, but it's a downfield shot. And I don't know if he turns his head or not if he doesn't hear the ball call from the defensive backs. Because ball, he turns around. He finds and tracks the ball so late in the process, it's almost hitting his chest. But then he swerves, gets one left paw on it, catches it, brings it to the ground. It is a monumental athletic play (laughs) where you just go, if this was in live speed in a game, that would be the highlight that we run like Keon Coleman hurtling a dude. It was unbelievable. Then about 
four plays later, five plays later, it's Darion's turn. And it's adjustment an adjustment that he's got to make where it's on the incorrect shoulder. So he's got to make a quick athletic move and then two-hand and grab it as it's on its way down to the ground. And he does. And Norvell comes sprinting over, just loving what he saw, saying that is an unbelievable adjustment on the ball. Taps him on the pads, and they go back. But it's just Darion Williamson and Jaheim Bell, when you're talking about highlight reel catches, are probably third, fourth, or fifth in the order of guys that you would be candidates, list as candidates for highlight reel catches. That's how loaded this group is in the passing game. Noting how loaded they are in the passing game, it serves to remind everybody, all of us, that there are going to be stretches where a really good player does not have an impact statistically on the game. So I saw somebody in the chat say it'd be nice to get Bell going. Well, he had two touchdowns in game one against LSU. Yeah. So he didn't do anything in game two. Uh, the first throw of the game, he's wide open and, for a catch and run, but Jordan decides to challenge down the field. That's right. He's also missed on a throw where he's wide open and Ooh. he's overthrown. Up the seam. Up the seam. So there are two opportunities, and Bell doesn't do anything wrong. In fact, he does everything right, and for whatever reason, the ball doesn't go to him. Okay, that's all part of it. But because there are so many options, there are going to be games where guys who are very good players – do not impact the game statistically. Now, that doesn't mean they won't impact the game. Hakeem Williams is a perfect example. The guy had one catch in this game, and yet he impacted the game. And he has twice, but he's really impacting the game in the after-catch moments because of his blocking downfield and the stuff that he's willing to do now in the hopes that that leads to further reward because everybody who plays the position eventually wants the ball. Uh, I was laughing. My son last night. Didn't take long for him to become... Slight diva. I loved it. He had one catch last night, and it was a short catch. And he never complains. He's awesome that way. He doesn't say a word to a coach other than asking him what he should do and those kinds of things. And he's a very encouraging teammate. He's awesome in that way. But he gets in the car with his dad. He's like, I wish they'd throw me the damn ball. I'm open. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> it cracked up. It's just the nature of the position. Keyshawn Cameron. Well, it was it was funny, and I know of the three times that he's speaking of in which he was running open, and that can be frustrating. Like, my man, he's beat. I got this bitch beat. You need to throw me the ball. Anyhow, so I get it. I get it. That happens. It made me laugh. I said, yep, you're in year one. Deep breath, son. It'll happen. They see the film. Here you go. That's really hard when you got proven dudes like this team does and yeah. superstars in the making like this team does. They may go two and three games where a guy doesn't really get his number called. How do you keep that guy happy? Because Mike says it all the time. I'm not going to change the standard. I'm not going to change what I'm doing to fit the player. They've got This is what we do, and they've had to buy into something I've asked them to buy into in order for us to even take them on. Yeah. Now, listen, uh, do, do guys, are, are there degrees here? Is there a hierarchy? I'd say so. You'd probably, he might not say anything, but you probably don't want to piss off Keon Coleman. Get, go ahead and get him the ball. You probably don't want to piss off certain dudes well, here. That's where Jordan can come in and be the cop, the secondary one. You want to call it the good cop or the bad cop? Yeah, whatever you Depending want. Depending upon yeah. whose perspective. Bad from Mike's perspective, good from the players, or vice versa. But if you've got a play call... And you know that this kid's got to get involved. That's what Jameis did with Kelvin. There are so many times in the first quarter of 2013 games, the play is not supposed to go to Kelvin. 
But oh, he forces him to ball all the time. Yeah, Jameis does it because he knows he's got to get him engaged. Him engaged but yeah. that's where that middleman has to come into play and be a leader there. Now, I don't know that Jordan needs to take downfield shots all the time. Nor do I know if if that's what the coaching staff said. Work on this this week. Well, that's what Norvell said in the press conference. I don't know if I believe it, but that's fine. That's it's a perfect I mean. defense because you can't know. Well, you, you can't, can't know, know if that's you, true. Or you really, not. you really yeah. can't know. And I have no reason to believe it wasn't. I have no, you know, I might right. suspect that it's not. Doesn't matter. Whatever it is, <laughs> Jordan can do that in a time where maybe the coaching staff isn't asking for that to be the case. But you see in the huddle as you break it that a long face is, you know, it's Keon Coleman. And he's going, okay, here we go. And then he throw him the ball. He said, all right, now I got him engaged. (laughs) Yeah. I know we were supposed to give it to Trey. It's a lot of responsibility, man. That's that's tough. The the unsung part of being a quarterback. That is very difficult. You got to be a Joe Torrey who can make (laughs) – he was a player manager. So, in a sense, you've got to be a player manager there. How many people remember this bit of you and I going back and forth about how Joe Torrey doesn't even have to be reasonably intelligent and (laughs) run I'll tell you what, though. With that team. Joe Torrey would have been an excellent regional manager for our friends perhaps at Zaxby's because there's so much excellence everywhere that if one day the sales at location 52 are a little higher than location 61, hmm. he could say, look, man, that's just the there was a detour on Cap Circle. That's why they got more business. You're doing just as excellent as they are. The good news, there are 94 locations in Tallahassee. So yeah. 51, 62, 74, whatever. You're right. going to be all right. We've got plenty of locations here in Tallahassee. 90, 90, what did I say, 94? I think that's right. I think that's right. It might be 95 by this afternoon. Could be. They're always building around me. There's a Zaxby's, and next to it, some Zaxby's in progress. It's a good thing. I just like to know that when that one's filled, I go over to this other one and get the split-top bun with the thick-cut pickles and the big chicken breast. Let's go. Delicious. And then I do it knowing that uh, Zaxby's, proud Golden Chief boosters for over 18 years. The noon kicks are the time to go get the platter. The platter. Too. Get that big platter, yes. You set it on your whatever. You got a, a bar, the coffee table, the dining room table at 11.15. You just you go get it. You set it down at 11.15. You just pick on it all day. That's mm. how it's done. Mm. All right. You got me thinking about Zaxby's. We will segue nicely here. It's good advertising. It is. I had a chance to sit down this morning with Ingram Smith. He's the CEO of The Battle's End. You'll hear that, see that, both, if you'd like, next on The Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey, Seminoles, we all know how important it is to score in the red zone, but are you prepared for success in the retirement red zone? Five years leading up to your retirement date and the immediate five years after are a critical time of thoughtful planning for you and your family. And our friend and fellow Noel, Adam Tolliver, and his team at Artisan Financial Strategies are prepared to coach you to victory. Some of us, well, we're at midfield and want to plan ahead. Others are ready to punch it in on the goal line. They're making sure you know how much you can spend without running out of money, protecting yourself and your family against rising health care costs, or carefully planning your legacy. The Artisan team brings a combined 30-plus years of planning experience 
and world-class resources to help you navigate the way. For more information, just head over to KnollRetirement.com. Now, that's one word, KnollRetirement.com. Welcome back to the Jeff Cameron Show, sponsored by Legendary Home Loans, a mortgage experience designed around speed, simplicity, and customer service. Before you buy your next home, contact our friend Shannon Young with Legendary Home Loans. Visit FSUHomeLoans.com, FSUHomeLoans.com. Looky there. We tried to get this done last week, but we'll get it done this week. That's my man, CEO of The Battle's End, Ingram Smith, and he joins us now on the Jeff Cameron Show. How are you, Ingram? I'm great, Jeff. How you doing? Great to be able to catch up with you um, and appreciate your uh, your flexibility of scheduling, sir. So yeah, good, buddy. Listen, we're all busy right now. Call. That's all right. You're busy right now celebrating, like the rest of us, a, a Florida State team that seems to have the pieces it needs to compete at the highest levels. And it's to the point where uh, we have to complain about stuff kind of, you know, on the margins. Um, <laughs> you know, it's – by the way – I, I don't, it's a fine line. You know, it's like, I think as a fan uh, that, and we're both fans, you and I, uh, we just happen to have other roles. And I think what's interesting is like, as a fan, I get the idea that you should just revel in these ass kickings we're delivering right now, right? Just revel in these wins. But then I think like for me, anyhow, to provide other context is is proper as well to kind of say, you know, look, look, they can be better. And I think it's a compliment to how good they are yeah. to say they can be better. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I, I do. I, I agree with a lot of that. And I think um, I think almost Jordan Travis is a perfect representation of that. Jordan Travis has been very good. Jordan Travis has played a level that just about every team in the country would have, would jump at. But you and I have seen Jordan Travis have some practices where the ball doesn't hit the ground. I mean, yeah. Jordan Travis is, has grown so much as a player that, uh, you know, you almost want it for him just to show. And ultimately, with a guy like Jordan, you have confidence that that uh, super high elite level that we've seen from him uh, is going to be seen. But, yeah, I mean, hey, look, you you beat a team in week one that for many people was kind of a, a, a dark horse candidate for national championship, and you beat them rather handily. And uh, you went out and – beat a team 66 to 13 in week two. And, you know, evidently we're back to the days of, uh, of finding things to be concerned about because, uh, you know, the, the third team kicker didn't, uh, didn't execute the uh, squib quick exactly like we wanted it to or something like that. Now, obviously uh, just throwing out a hypothetical bizarre uh, situation there, but no, I mean, it's a, it's a fun ride and it's, I think it's just, ultimately reflective of the job that, that Mike Norvell has done and, and how quickly this has happened. And, um, you know, certainly we're proud of the role that we've played at the battle's end, but really anything that we've done has been a reflection of the foundation and footing that Mike Norvell um, had implemented in, in some of those years that weren't as much fun for people like you and I to, to come on and, and talk as friends as to what we've, you know, seen transpire in the first two weeks. Uh, I don't, you don't have to go back too far to find a, a rather disappointing week two in this program's history. So that's for sure. And Ingram, you touched on something that uh, I want to ask you about. I find it fascinating in your role with the battles end as CEO, you, you had the opportunity uh, it's, it's required of you really to kind of get to know these kids and, and build a rapport and build relationships. Obviously um, it's a different world that we're, we're dealing with now. And uh, there are opportunities for student athletes in a way that there never has been, which is awesome. Uh, 
And I wonder uh, from, you know, I, I've known you for a while now and, and I know how passionate you are about Florida State and how passionate you are about college football. And, and I kind of wonder, you know, in this role, uh, is it even more satisfying? Some people might think it's more stressful, but I wonder if is it, is it even more satisfying because you, you know what a lot of these kids have gone through to get to where they are to have opportunities like we see in, in the modern game and what's happened with the battles. And it seems to me it would be even more satisfying. It is more stressful and it is more satisfying. I would say both of those things are applicable. The first half of the LSU game was a, a feeling that I haven't felt in a while. And uh, <laughs> it legitimately, like, mentioning to a friend of mine, like, these uh, officials, what are we doing here? Um, <laughs> but, no, it is uh, it is more satisfying. And, like, to use an example, uh, you and I have been at practice and we talked about, like, Darian Williamson, the player, and what yeah. that guy can be if he's injury-free. But, man, I wish everybody in this fan base had 10 minutes to meet the person. Like, Darian is an exceptional, exceptional uh, guy who I've – Love to get to know, like Jerry and Jones, very similar example. Jerry and has a bright future doing something uh, based off, you know, selling and relationship building in the future after his football career is over. It's a really dynamic kid who, uh, again, I wish more people could have 10 minutes to talk to. So uh, getting to know these kids and, and to their families uh, at a deeper level has absolutely made this more satisfying and it's made it more. Um, uh, also made speaking from the battles in perspective has made it more satisfying because you're getting to work with some really great people. And um, again, I'm always going to circle back that that's, that's reflective of an incredible job of not just building the foundation that Mike Norvell has done, but also the evaluation that goes into, you know, continuing to shape this roster and bring in, large name transfers like Gene uh, Bell and Keon Coleman and, you know, a bunch of other people that have jumped off the screen in the first two weeks uh, is because that culture is in place, because that foundation is place, um, you know, you're able to continue to be successful with this core group of guys that have made it available for you to have the year that you had last year and start to put some of that overly used uh, phrase, you know, proof of concept out there that's, you know, made you even more attractive as you've gone on. I've talked at length on shows I've gone on or, or my own show, just in talking to the listeners about how remarkable it is that that foundation, as you keep alluding to correctly. So I think that uh, has been set in a way that you could bring in talents like Keon Coleman, um, you know, Mike, Mike identifying players and, and, and talking to them about their roles. It's one thing to say that a guy could come in and help your football team. And, and maybe there are opportunities within the world of the battles in uh, once they arrive on campus and, and sign up to be Knowles, I guess. But at the same time, you've got to integrate that into your locker room. You've got to get guys to not resent uh, other guys coming in from other programs and make it work seamlessly. And I know you've said to me before, just in talking that you feel like one of the great assets Florida state has, and this is not to be a kiss up. None of us are that, but is Mike Norvell in the way that he goes about the process of identifying players and then eventually um, talking to them about what their role would be. Even if they're star players, the expectation is that they need to be, able to be coached hard and driven and leaders and all these other aspects. And that makes the job of the battles end a little bit easier. 
I think we always fall back on two significant assets. And one is Mike Norvell and the job that he's done. And uh, Mike, when I speak of Mike Norvell, obviously I'm speaking to the, the man, but also a much broader staff that is very, very talented and has uh, really real key, like key pieces of strength uh, throughout that kind of coaching hierarchy. Um, and the other is, is just Florida State University, you know, the program uh, that we're paired with. Florida State doesn't ever have to have like the shiniest, brightest, biggest uh, NIL entity, but we do have to be there at a level that we can kind of contribute to Mike Norvell's climb, that we can meet the criteria for competitiveness in the modern kind of college athletic landscape. So uh, we're real fortunate. I think one of those things is always going to be there. There's going to be, you know, posters uh, over people like myself, shoulder of, of incredible things that transpired in the past. And those memories are always going to be there. But um Florida State's got something, got something very real in Mike Norvell, and it's a you know unique opportunity here. And uh, from a from an NIL perspective, from a Battles in perspective, uh, you know we were able to come on and and maybe throw a, a kerosene low, uh, soaked piece of wood into a fire that was already really healthy, and uh, and just contribute to to what the program needs from a you know perspective of competitiveness and to be able to pair with Mike and his message in a most appropriate way possible. What's possible for groups like the battles in moving forward. I wonder about this space all the time. I look at it throughout the country. Luckily I'm friends with you. I can ask you questions about other collectives, I guess, for lack of a better term that you've spoken with and people that are running them. And I know that, you know, you've always looked at this as this is a legitimate function. This is something that this is, we've brought things above board now and, and, the possibilities for the university, for the student athlete, and for um, groups like uh, the Battles Inn. Uh, and I don't, I'm not talking about profitability and things like that. I'm, I'm talking about like where we can take college football. And I'm kind of curious also off the field, like with the Battles Inn, here's a question, here's a direct question. Would the Battles Inn ever be involved in some ways in, in, or would they be allowed to be involved in ways of, of, of helping the, uh, the game day experience? You know, I, 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 for example, it comes up all the time to me, Ingram, this is why I'm asking. I'm specifically along with anybody else who's in the media that kind of is lucky enough to work in this realm. You know, I, I have fans approach me all the time about, well, Hey, listen, I wish this were better. I wish this was better. Everybody wants better. They also praise a lot of things that are going on. I thought the game day experience was better this time around than it was a year ago, at least in terms of getting through the gate. Um, I, do you guys ever foresee yourselves involved in something like that? Um, there might be something like that. I would say the most direct uh, involvement we would have like that is just continuing to allow the sports that we pair with to be as competitive as possible. And that's going to continue to bring people into the space. Like I know um, you and I have shared, you know, ticketing concerns in that yeah. process. And that sound, again, I know I didn't go and visit every gate, but that sounds like it was a much better uh, process that was put in place. And, you know, I think the best thing that we can do is is to go about re retaining the players that this fan base has a, a deep emotional investment in and uh, putting out content that allows them to connect with them at a deeper level and therefore makes it more likely that they're going to go to a game, you know, and I think that's our part. And, and as people fill that stadium up more and more at a higher uh, level of consistency than maybe uh, people far, far above my head 
feel comfortable making the investment uh, necessary and things uh, to streamline the game day experience as far as delays, whether it be concession tickets, whatever, um, and invest in other things. Now, the stadium, and this has nothing to do with the battle zone, but the stadium is going to be going through uh, a dramatic transformation over the next two years. Um, and that will be a both a, a process of excitement and also of patience because that's it's just from, you know, you see that thing play out in other sports and see that play out in soccer stadiums uh, in Europe. And, you know, sometimes a team plays with a 60% capacity or something like that. Uh, so that can be a little bit of a tough tra transition period. I'm not suggesting that's what's going to happen at Florida State, but uh, patience will be needed there. But again, if we're able to retain the Tatum Bethunes and Josh Farmers of the world and people like that, then, you know, maybe it's a little easier to put up with uh, progress as you go through an experience like that from a facility upgrade. I can certainly attest to that. As a student, I used to walk from Diffenbaugh over to my buddy Steven's uh, place because he is a graduate of the FSU Film School. And, and when we were in school, because I'm old, Ingram, uh, we watched the Erector set uh, turn into what this is now, which is a facade that is second to none in college football. I watched brick by brick that being built as I watched from 91, 92, 93, 94, this whole transformation take place. And it does take patience. But, man, is it fun because year in and year out, you begin to see the shifts towards a positive change, and hopefully enthusiasm follows for the product. And if you're winning, that's easier to do. <laughs> that is easier to do. Absolutely. There's a lot more patience there. And so uh, that'll just be interesting. Look, there's a ton of different projects going on right now over in that part of the Florida State world and between the stadium and the football-only facility that uh, is – on track, I do believe it's going to be a it's going to be a period of transition. Absolutely. Final thing I got to ask you real quick, Ingram. We've got a lot of football to be played. It should be exciting. This is a great roster. You alluded to it. Roster retention was a big part of what uh, the Battles Inn worked on in the offseason. And man, does it pay off as you look out on that field and you see a lot of kids uh, contributing. How does the Battle in uh, the Battles Inn? I get this question a lot. How do you decide if that's the right phrasing? How do you decide who gets a deal with the Battles Inn? Not to compare it to professional football, but I'm going to compare it to professional football. When you hear about a new player getting a contract in the league, we're like, oh, that team's investing in them. I think our fan base does that now. They go, oh, the battle's in. And what Williamson, oh, look at this. They must see something in him. That's what happens with our fan base now. So take us real quick, if you could, if it's easy. If it's easy. How, how does this work? How, do, how does that happen? Yeah, that's a great question, Jeff. I will one thing I will tell you is like, for example, we've been working with Darren Williamson for a, a couple months now. We just we still probably have 15 kids that we haven't made a, a formal announcement of, and we've got those in queue. So um it's not necessarily like game on Saturday, announcement on Tuesday or something like that. It looks like it people, though, didn't it? It, it does look like it. I I agree. <laughs> so that's why I say that out there. And I've enjoyed uh, the time that I've I've gotten to know Darian and 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 it's been more than two days. I'll put it that way. Um, it I mean in part, and I don't mean to be shameless here. In part, the opportunities that we have are reflective of how many members we have, and as we continue to grow and and build up our level of support. So I I will you know ask your audience to give consideration to join in the battles end and to you know judge us by the the work that we've done and what we have plans on on doing. Um, it is, and you kind of referenced this like a question or two ago, it's it, like, it's not 
<laughs> it's not global finance, but there is more to it than just like, hey, this, you know, whatever level of production right. or what you think might come from a kid. Uh, we hired uh, last week, we hired a guy by the name of Max Moody. And I don't know that that name will resonate with a ton of your listeners, although he is a Tallahassee guy, Florida State graduate. Uh, but we hired him from Deloitte. He was a mergers and acquisitions senior consultant. Uh, that's more reflective of the type of people that are in this space. And, uh, you know, we're going to continue to try to per approach this professional level and associate uh, the really high level people that we've done in the levels of law and accounting and with Max, with some of the interior structure of the business. Um, and we're very proud and not to shamelessly plug again, but uh, I believe we were labeled perhaps the top functioning collective in the country over the last six months in that article. So we're going to keep trying to push the the space here and find out how we can best live in it. Um, and, and with that, Jeff, our, probably our, our evaluation process of how many kids we can be involved in and, and who we can be involved in is, is going to change as well. But currently think we have contracts with, or we have uh, athletes under contract somewhere around 55 football players right now. Nice. So there's a lot out there and it's reflective of, podcasts like yourselves and YouTube shows, and you can just look and see the size of this audience. It is as large as almost any in collegiate athletics. And we're very fortunate to be able to go out and find marketing opportunities for our guys. And I know I didn't probably exactly answer your question, but it's a, it's a fluid process. This change, this space has changed a lot over time and it's going to continue to evolve. And, you know, we'll, we'll do our best to, to stay in the saddle and, and ride the evolution. Loud and clear. Go to thebattlesin.com and sign up today so that we can continue to watch outstanding football be played <laughs> at a renovated stadium in Doe Campbell and Bobby Bowden Field, right? Is that? Uh... It sounds like a great next couple of years, Jeff. Absolutely. <laughs> Get the three quarter zip. I don't, hey, listen, Ingram wants you to join. That's fine. You join, you join. Get the three quarter zip. <laughs> It's sweet. That thing it's, is the best thing on the market. I'm not even kidding. Something that we're very proud of. Absolutely. And I can't remember exactly the factory we got it, but I assure you that other things that come out of that factory are far more expensive and aren't nearly as handsome on game day. So give, give, give the quarter zip a, a consideration as well. <laughs> it's a good, I love it. I love it. Hey, brother, good to, good to talk to you. Thanks for being uh, the candor, frankly, and uh, appreciate talking with you. I'll talk with you throughout the season. Great catching up, Jeff. Talk soon. Love the show. Right, Thanks, bud. Ingram Smith, CEO of The Battle's In, thebattlesin.com. Go sign up today. Jeff Cameron Show continues in a moment. 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Hey guys, our next partner is AG1, the daily foundational nutritional supplement that supports whole body health. I drink it quite literally every single day. I began using AG1 because I'll be honest with you, I don't like to take a bunch of pills and vitamins and I just wanted something that tastes great, was quick, and easy to remember, so I do it. I do it every morning when I wake up. I certainly have it right after my coffee and before I work out. And I will tell you this, too. It is um, a simple, effective investment for your health. 
You can try AG1 and get five free AG1 travel packs and a free one-year supply of vitamin D with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash JCS. Again, that's go to, uh, all you got to do is go to uh, drinkag1.com slash JCS. That's drinkag1.com slash JCS. Check it out. It's delicious. It's quick. It's easy. It's proven. Vitamins, probiotics, whole food source nutrients. Start your day with it. You'll feel better. I promise. Show brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness, two Tallahassee locations, Midtown on Thomasville Road, and Northside in the Village Common Shopping Center. Online at orangetheoryfitness.com. Jeff Cameron, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Good song. Damn fine song, Tom. Uh, our thanks to Ingram Smith, CEO, Battles In. Always good to catch up with Ingram. We saw him for four seconds on Saturday. You yeah. Four yeah. seconds. Fist bump. I was like, hey. And I thought it was just, you know, uh, somebody, one of the pillars maybe. Like, oh, who, oh, it's Ingram. Hey, what's up, man? I have to tell you, I was bitterly disappointed. I, uh, I brought uh, a very expensive scotch to share with Ingram, and he let me down. We'll you, to, you, we'll, you brought it to the hotel? Yeah, we'll have to work it out later. I'll have to talk to him about it. <laughs> Why was I not informed? We could have had a well, post-game you, you were bu- You were busy. You didn't, I didn't think you looked oh, interested in I the see. post-game scotch. I was busy. Okay. Hey, it wasn't a time to willy-nilly have that scotch. You wouldn't sit down I'm and not the ACC it. with uh, leather plans. <laughs> I do have the... We'll drink that scotch on another day, I've, like after the Clemson game. I've got the Lagavulin Distillers Edition, so let's rotate. Let, right. Let's have a rotation of what we're sipping on after the pregame shows. I'm I'm in. I'm in. Uh, what would we drink after a big win on the road against Clemson? Well, would we want to do, like, for old time's sake, if we could even find them, the miniature Bud Lights we were drinking? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I should. That was a weird, like, you never see that size. It was hilarious. No, I thought I was just really lifting a lot in those days. Like, I just remembered that the... Bus that takes journalists to the stadium <laughs> was less than enthralled. That as we sat in the press lot, he pulled up to see two guys downing beers, t- waving him on. Well, you keep yeah. it moving, buddy. Keep going. We're gonna With stay the- here and have a few beers before entering the stadium. 1970s reporters would have been so proud of us. I should have lit a cigarette. I don't smoke, but I should have lit a cigarette and just been like, no, no, we're good. Yeah. Keep it moving, buddy. You should have hopped in just to go to the bathroom and say, hang on a minute. Take me back. Take me back. Well, at that time, there was all-out war between us and Clemson Sports Information and Clemson Media Relations people. I did. Yeah, correct. That is fair. I think that's that's since been resolved, I hope. Ian, you are correct. Uh, it is always served uh, neat. You don't have to watch. You don't have to worry about that. Um, What's he talking about? Scotch on the rocks? Get we, out of we, here. Didn't, we don't do scotch on the a rocks. A dram at most. At most. Some would tell you a dram is necessary. I don't believe it is, but I get it. It helps the, the flavor profile. No, I... Um, Aromatic profile. Yeah. We're, no, we're, don't worry about it. We got it, Ingram. And, uh, and, and I... Yeah. I feel good about what we're what we're doing there. Ian, we got it. We got it. Um Oh, what? What are we doing here? Did I miss out? One today from Lewis. Hey Lewis, Jeff, thanks for letting me know I'm not a sick human being. 
When Rodgers went down, you can literally hear Jets fans screaming, oh, no, laugh my ass off. Yeah, thank you, Lewis. I laughed, too. I did. I've already explained myself in this, and I'm not apologizing. I don't feel bad about laughing. I cracked up. I giggled a little bit the next morning when I woke up. Like, after the game, many hours after it was all over, I woke up. Oh, I was what? stretching. Was it a tee-hee? And I went, hee-hee-hee-hee. <laughs> uh, I thought it was funny. My buddy who could always make me laugh when he got going. You know the, that person. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily the guy you want in the comedy club, but he would hiss laugh. He goes, <laughs> and he couldn't stop. <laughs> You're like, what are you doing? Gino. Oh, we got time for probables? I think we do. We do. A uh, few more people to thank from Monday, though, real quick. Yeah. Oh. Did you throw them up there? Uh, I no, texted them. You texted them to me. That's okay. Uh, I see him. I see it here in the text. We're running late here. Uh, let, let's get them tomorrow. Uh, Kendrick, also 100 proof football, new W's and L's, Robert Benton. And that's them, right? That's right. Thanks, fellas. Appreciate you very much. W's and L's? That's a no? Uh, we could do a new W's and L's after Clemson. Oh, you want to do it before Clemson? Because then we you're could. under pressure. Then yeah, you're under yeah, real more pressure. pressure. Yeah. All right. Let's go. Cue it up. It's time for, how you say, with the pitching, uh, probables? want to thank our friends at Power Mill Training Academy. Check them out, powermillsports.com. And away we go. Rays, Twins, 4-4, sixth inning. Taj Bradley, Dallas Keuchel. We got Cubs, Rockies, Jamison Ty and Ty Blanche. Nothing, nothing. They're warming up. Nobody can score 